Loved this house. It was our dream house from the beginning. We even thought it was over our heads, but we just worked really hard and made it become our own. And I love it. I have my horses here. I have a hundred pound tortoise that I saved. So yeah, I just love it. It couldn't be more perfect for us. But Allstate, who insured Darlene's house for 18 years, recently sent her a non-renewal notice. You can't just say after 18 years of being okay, all of a today you're not okay and that's it. Home insurance companies are saying homes like Darlene's are too risky to insure. The nation's largest homeowner's insurance company, State Farm, has decided they won't accept new applications for property in California. The household names like State Farm, Allstate, are pulling out of these markets. They know the risk is just too high to be actuarially sound for their business. There are companies saying there are too many buildings being destroyed by catastrophes, inflation is making it too expensive to rebuild, and they can't protect their investments any longer. Losses are increasing related to climate risk. As that risk increases, so does the cost of insuring those assets that people have on hand. But without homeowners insurance, many homeowners can find themselves in big financial trouble. I've been trying to find another insurance. I had one company step up and said they'd do it for 12000 a year. I go from 2000 to 12000 yeah, I, we would have to move. I, there's no way. But selling the home might not even be possible. The moment that an individual gets a non-renewal letter from the private insurance market, they essentially lose 12% of their property value. It's not just California. Louisiana and Florida are contending with similar issues due to flood risk. Why are so many American houses becoming uninsurable? And what will it mean for the economy when so many homes lose some of their value? Darlene bought her house for $420,000 at the behest of one of her best friends. My girlfriend that I've known for close to 40 years, she's the one that brought me to this. She lives two doors down and she said, you have to buy this house. So I had really no choice, but it was the best thing we ever did. It's just three bedroom, two bath, and it's only probably 1,700 square feet. You know, it's just perfect. You know, I'm an outside person anyway, so what's the most perfect is the outside. I have a huge pasture for the horses, and the backyard, I had an artist come, and she painted all my animals on my back fence. So when I go sit in my little girl area where we have a little glass of wine, all my animals, even the ones I've lost, are all painted on the side of the barn. It's just beautiful. Darlene and her husband still owe about $360,000 on their mortgage. Most mortgage lenders require home insurance as a prerequisite for the loan, and 58% of Americans hold mortgages on their homes. You are allowed to live in your home without insurance. That will be called self-insurance. It depends on your financial situation whether or not that is a good or risky choice. Insurance acts as a risk transfer tool. So in order to make sure that that investment that the bank is making with you should something happen, a catastrophe, a natural catastrophe, or a man-made catastrophe, if it happens, the insurance allows the home to recover. The insurance business model works like this. Companies assess the risk of damage happening to a home and collect a premium accordingly. By insuring properties with varying levels of risk, they are able to spread the liability for the riskiest assets among the whole group. They reserve some funds to pay out claims and invest others. They typically make their profits via safely held investments. The insurance rate is a reflection of the risk. Insurance rates are the effect of the risk, not the cost. So the insurance company, in order to operate its business as it should in a profitable manner, needs to do what it can to get those insurance rates to better reflect the risk. 
Now, insurers are saying climate change, inflation, and the regulatory environment have created a situation where it's difficult to operate a profitable business in some locations across the country. Private insurance companies are withdrawing insurance in high-risk areas due to climate risk, and people are seeing their premiums increase in the public market. Every state has seen an increase, but 12 states have seen their average premiums more than double. The insurance is regulated at the state level. Some researchers refer to aspects of the regulation as premium suppression, which may result in climate risk not being fully priced into the market. For example, look at Prop 103. Proposition 103 in the state of California was something that was passed all the way back in the 80s. In California, due to the regulatory policies, essentially don't allow climate to be included in the calculation of insurance premiums, but they also set a limit on what the increase can be year over year. So the current limit's about 7%. Anything at 7% or higher has to go in front of the insurance commissioner. It has to be approved in front of the board, that can take a long time. If they can't charge the adequate rate for the insurance, it just simply doesn't make sense to do business there. Which leaves people like Darlene with non-renewal notices and the remainder of their mortgage debt in their hands. Individual homeowners have a few options if traditional homeowners insurance becomes unavailable. If you receive a non-renewal notice, there are always options to have more insurance. Depending on where you live, you can go into residual markets, excess markets. These markets will have a higher cost of the insurance. The rates are not regulatory approved like the standard market would be. However, it is an option. I've been trying to find another insurance. No one will even step up to the plate. I had one company step up and said they'd do it for 12000 a year. I go from 2000 to 12000 Yeah, I, we would have to move. I, there's no way. We're retired. Some states also have government-assisted insurance options as well, a social welfare program, if you will. 32 states and Washington, D.C. have created insurers of last resort. The state fair program in California that is the state-run insurer of last resort for properties that have extreme wildfire risk cannot get insurance in the private insurance market. Darlene's insurance agent told her that the fair plan would be very expensive in her case. The guy that was my guy for 18 years said that he won't even he won't even recommend or quote with the fair plan because he says unfair plan. 12,000 is not really a fair plan in my estimation either because he was quoting even the deductibles, even on the 12,000 a year, the deductibles were like 15 grand if this happens. I'm like, well, <laughs> what's the point of that? In the case of California, just for example, the average cost of a state fair plan premium is about $3,200. Quite honestly, government does not do insurance well. And even more so, it extends the burden to the taxpayer or it puts it back on the insurers who are operating in the individual states. Charlene's insurance agent said that any wildfire protection tactics that she tries to do won't impact the insurer's decision not to renew her coverage. On paper, uh, they said, I'm in a fire area and we have a wooden fence that's connected to the house that has been connected to the house forever. And they said that's a, you know, so they, they did notice, note some things like that. So that's why I called and said, well, if I would just we'll just change the fence out. You know, I, I just paid like $7,000 to have trees trimmed. If they need to be trimmed more, I could do that. I mean, what can I do? And he absolutely said, there's nothing I can do. Meanwhile, climate change keeps getting worse. When I first moved up here 18 years ago, we certainly didn't have fires that we had. We didn't have any fires this last summer. It was wonderful. But I mean, the smoke came in pretty bad there for two to three years, I guess. And that was like upsetting me. 
Since 2009, there has been a 270% increase in the cost of wildfires and a 335% increase in the number of structures destroyed by wildfires. And for every additional building destroyed, there is an associated 1.9 additional non-renewal notices issued from an insurance company. Florida is a state where the largest insurance company in the entire state now is the state-run Citizens Insurance Agency. So today, the, the most at-risk properties are on that insurer of last resort, and it's become the largest insurer of the state, which is crazy to think about. All of the risks that exist in the state is on one single insurance company's role. And if there were to be some issue with that, now the state has to step in. Communities may need to rethink how they use insurance to account for climate risk. If you look at some other states who are beginning to look at ways that they can take a more collective and communal approach to risk management, uh, you're seeing very different circumstances. I think the state of Alabama is, is a very good example of a state where the government and policymakers have embraced the understanding of what is causing this increased risk? How can we help manage, better manage that risk? And they're allowing consumers to, to take grants, up to $40,000 for a government grant to make yourselves more resilient. And we really need to think about the behaviors in terms of where we're developing, how we're living, so that as a community, we can make it more resilient. But in the meantime, all of this is going to have big implications for the U.S. real estate market and therefore the U.S. economy. The insurance mechanism is the first to really price in climate. How would I even sell my house if I can't get insurance? Because how's the next person going to, you know, they're not going to want, you know, they can't buy a house if they can't get insurance, well, I guess unless they're coming in cash. But The insurance sector was 2.6% of U.S. GDP in 2022. Housing in general accounts for around 15 to 18% of the U.S. GDP. As the insurance market starts to price in climate risk, a good portion of the U.S. economy will be impacted. So you need insurance to have economic growth. So hopefully we're beginning to see the policymaking community in the state of California understand that some changes need to take place. Insurers need to be able to charge for risks like inflation, for risks like increased climate. With a, a population and an economy the size of California, the insurance industry wants to be there. You know, as much as the customers are frustrated about their costs of insurance, insurers are frustrated that they can't do business there anymore. So what we would argue is if we can get the regulation in a better place that better reflects the risk in that state, insurers will be back and wanting to do business there. Communities need accurate data to understand where the risk exists, understand what their most vulnerable not necessarily populations, but assets are in the community, what the most vulnerable parts of their areas are, where they can efficiently allocate resources to protect and suppress the risks that exist in those areas. What the insurance industry would also like to see is more emphasis on physical infrastructure resilience. Because if we understand that climate risk is increasing and we're living in places that have increased climate risk, we've got to find ways to live in a more resilient manner. And the government can help incentivize that. The tax system, for example, is a great incentivization tool, but also and we've seen of late some investments taking place. Insurance companies say they have been trying to adequately price in climate risk for years. The insurance companies absolutely have their own underlying models and maps that give them the ability to understand which areas are most at risk versus which areas are less at risk. When we produced our model, we correlated it with the data that comes out of the fair plan, that comes out of the citizen plan in Florida and Louisiana. And what we ended up finding were really high correlations between our extreme wildfire risk, wind risk, and flood risk, and the, the either the non-renewals or the increases in premiums 
uh, on those plans across those states. Insurance experts say rethinking how we account for climate risk is also key to keeping communities safe. Risk management does not come into play until it's entirely too late when it comes to individual personal property purchasing. It comes into play when the mortgage provider needs you to go get it. And that's the first time when a consumer even begins to think about where they're living and what risks might be. The cost reflects that risk. Um, that should be you know, an alarm to tell them that they're living in a risky place and then ask themselves, how could I reduce that risk or do I need to think about living somewhere else? Like many Americans, Darlene said when she purchased the house, fire. No, it wasn't even a thought, that's true. But now she's struggling, even though she feels she did everything right. We're doing the right thing. We're doing everything we can. We retired, you know, we worked hard. We retired, we got our, we take good care of our house. I've ne I'm never late on my bills. I've paid that for 18 years. I've never, you know, we never miss making everything right and paying everything. And you just give me no choice. That's the part that bugged me the most, I think, is give me a list, give me something to work with, raise it if you need to, you know, the price reasonably. But don't just give me no choice. That's not right. 